Hello and Happy New Year to all. I hope you enjoyed the festive break and you're all very welcome to our first Property Roundup show of 2024 here on iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon. The show is sponsored by DAF.ie, Ireland's most visited property website. So 2024 is already shaping up to be an interesting year for Ireland's property market, so it is only right to kick off the new year. Uh, we're joined by Pat David, CEO of IPAB and advocate for the property market. Pat, thank you for joining us today. How are you feeling about the year ahead? Carol, it's always a pleasure to join you and I wish you a happy new year and I'm delighted to be here with you to talk to you about the property market indeed and also about what we want to speak about the legal sellers pack as well. But yeah, uh, the property market in 2023, I think I've you probably have heard me talking about this on many occasions, it has gone through diff- some different difficult parts during the year where we thought the market was going to maybe change and there was a little bit of wavering roundabout as to whether it was going to go up, stay still or good, but down again. And we've heard many commentators talking about the market going down. But in actual fact, I think come to the end of the year, I think with all of the our barometer prices aren't out yet, but they will be in the next couple of weeks. But we're expecting that the prices are going to be up over 3%. And I think we've forecasted that as well. And if we continue the way we are at the moment, uh, I think there's no doubt that property prices are going to be up again in 2024. Uh, there doesn't seem to be anything to stop an increase in property prices and maybe not huge increases, but certainly in properties, I think, out of the cities and the general cities, I think, are going to increase. And many of those properties at the moment are behind where they were in 2006. And some people, even though it's not talked about very, very much, but some people are still in negative equity and a negative equity maybe for 10, 15 or 20%. Um, so that it's not sort of, you know, all rosy in the garden that everybody is out of negative equity uh, at this particular stage. But I think uh, in general, the market is going to move on. I think the prices in the cities might well uh possibly level off or maybe even falter a little bit, I think. Uh, but definitely from uh, out of the cities, I think prices you will see, I think, remarkably moving on. And I think that's even what's happening at the moment, as you could see, look across uh, the country in different areas. I think you'll even see that as it is. Well, just uh, take a moment there to reflect on uh, the regional and indeed the rural areas. Obviously, IPAB has the advantage of uh, representing more than 1,600 estate agents all around the country. So you have that full uh, perspective. How are your regional and rural estate agents, how are they feeling about the year ahead? Um, I think some people are very, very confident about it. Um there's, there's, I suppose there's a lot of different scenarios when you go out of uh, Dublin and you talk to regional agents. Uh, biggest thing with, with all agents, I think at the moment, is the amount of stock that's out there and new stock coming on the market. Uh, there's a difference, obviously, between second-hand prices and new prices. There's the amount of new houses being built throughout the country. And there's the whole question of who can buy these new housing at the prices that they're at and who can get enough money to buy them is really sort of the big question. And I think it's going to be an even bigger question in 2024. And hence, I think the whole macroprudential rules of the central bank, while they have come into play, and basically, I think because IPEF has kept pressure on them for years, they've changed their three and a half times to four times. But I think that is going to change again. And I think it has to change again if we're going to continue to see house prices new ones as they are currently. But if you take a, a, a 
town like Navan or a town like Athlone, a good town in the Midlands like Athlone, uh, and you see property prices there, like you see three-bedroom apartments there, two-bedroom apartments there, uh, they were bought probably in 2005, maybe 2006 for over 300,000 and still only able to make 250,000 today. And that reflects across, right across, I'd say, the Midlands and right down to the west, right, right down to the to, to the western, uh, to the seaboard. And you, you see those type of properties and then you see house prices rising by in, in listen to Daft yesterday. Uh, in Limerick by 9%. But like what you don't see is the reasons behind them. And I know that we saw a little bit about that last night and the reasons behind them, but you don't see the reasons behind why is a property, why is somebody still in negative equity, even though we're talking about increases last year of probably 4%, increases the year before, maybe a 6 or 7%, and maybe 8 or 9 the year before that. So why are people still in negative equity? Um, so you know, it's, it, it is a big consideration. And I think as cordoners, people see that as well. Purchasers see that. I think you'll see them buying properties in these areas. And that's what's making the property prices move on. Yeah, I, I wonder, though, how the COVID effect really skewed figures regionally. So, for example, I was speaking to a developer in Mayo only in the last maybe two months. And he was talking about um, the increases that were seen in various towns around Mayo when people who were able to work remotely for the first time came back with their perhaps Dublin or Cork salaries. Um, and that doesn't, whether whether that capacity has been reached or not, essentially those prices aren't being achieved now in those same towns across rural Mayo. So I, I just, I wonder how much of the post-COVID or COVID effect is going to be long-term for the regions. Yeah, I'd say that... Um... I'd say a lot of the COVID effects, like, you know, the increases because of the fact that people can work from home. I think we all felt that that was going to be a short term thing. I think even people who were selling the properties and people who were going to live in them felt that it was going to be a short term. I don't think anybody ever felt that it would be as long term even as it is at the moment. And who's to say that it's not going to be much, much longer term? I know many employers are trying to get people back to their offices uh, for so many days of the week. But I think that there's still going to be an element of working from home, no matter how we look at it. Uh, it's, it's incredible to think that prior to COVID, we didn't really think an awful lot of working from home, even though some people were doing it, but we didn't think about an awful lot of it from a national perspective. And it's it's incredible when you think, like, you know, you have governments and you have all these think tanks about all this, you know, doing all this, looking into all these different situations and still something there that is looking at us now working from home. It's such a fantastic idea, but the secret to it all is broadband. And we've been talking about broadband for years and years. And I know many agents talk about, like, uh, and government bodies talk about BERs and BERs, the, 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 the increases involved in BERs. But you can have all the BERs you like, but if you don't have broadband, you're, the, the advantage that you're going to have in your property price is going to be very limited, where broadband is the secret and the key to what's going on. Yeah, and look, not just for those remote working, we need it now for everyday life. Um, you know, and actually talking about technology and i suppose you know i i i talk a lot about prop tech on the show the technology that can improve the buying process but there are still some things that technology has not been able to address and that's one of the reasons why i really want to talk to you today about the new um sellers legal pack you know again it's hard to believe coming into 2024 as somebody who came into this industry through conveyancing almost quarter of a century ago 
Um, I can't believe how little progress has been made in the conveyancing side. So before we get on to, I suppose, the the, the seller's legal pack, let's talk about the results of IPAP's conveyancing survey um, in 2023. First of all, how did this survey come about? Well, we started these surveys in 2015. I came to IPAP as the CEO in 2013. And conveyancing always had been a problem from my point of view because I came from a state agency background. And uh, all of the conveyancing and the times for conveyancing, uh, even prior to 2000 and uh, probably 18, 19, 20, and when COVID came, like we were sort of in a situation where I suppose most people could really feel that their conveyancing times were going to be somewhere between probably four and eight weeks. And a lot of the ones then that were longer than that, there was some reason behind it or some problem behind it. So conveyancing times were like in 2015, there were something like in the region of the average conveyancing time was somewhere in the region of probably 12 to 15 weeks or something. It has gotten no better since. So we started doing service in 2015. And actually at that time, we wrote to the minister, I think it was uh, uh, I think uh, Minister Stanley, I think it was was in was in uh, at that time was the minister that with this was involved with this and who had responsibility for it. And we asked him to meet them to discuss this conveyancing as to what was going to happen uh, in the future with it. And indeed, all sorts of things happened. Then we met at the Law Society and they had a conveyancing committee and uh, they talked about that it was that this was going to change. There was going to be conveyancing in the next three or four years or something like that. And Anyway, uh, we didn't get to that situation and we still haven't got anywhere near e-conveyancing. I know some people think that, yes, it's only around the corner, but it's not around the corner. When you look at the conveyancing, uh, the details required for conveyancing at the moment and why the timeframes are there for it's taking so long to close the sales, et cetera, et cetera. So we did that at uh, uh, that time, that survey. We did it again, I think, in about... Uh, 2019 or 20 and now we've done it again in 2023 and much things haven't changed since we did the first one to where we are today like the conveyancing times are still uh, somewhere in the region of four months to, from the time the property is uh, put in the market to an actual fact when you sign a contract and that might even be it might be a contract subject to x y or z uh, so that that time frame is still there and very much there and it's causing a lot of confusion it's causing a lot of hassle and it's causing a lot of uh, i suppose for people who are, who are buying properties uh, it's causing a lot of heartache and heartbreak for them because they never know when you have a property bought until you have a contract signed and it's signed by both parties so like to get you to that stage is really what we are trying to do in ipav uh, now with this legal sellers pack we're trying to get into a situation where um you the documentation is all got up front uh, for a sale. So this is done at the moment in all of the uh, sales that are going for public auctions. So for years and years and years, long many years before ever I came into the property market, if you go to sell a property by public auction, you must get all of the documentation in line because on the day that you have the auction, you want to be able to sell the property. Solicitors must have had looks at the legal documentation, everything up before then. And everybody must be happy that they're going to buy the property if you sell it in the day. And we're trying to do the same with private treaty sales. It's not no big sort of deal that we're trying to do. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're not trying to do anything other than trying to bring everything into line with what's done with public auctions. And that's as if we're able to do that. I think we're able to be in you're able to do many, many things if you're able to do that, because 
some properties that are for sale, uh, the conveyancing could go on for a year with them or maybe longer because planning isn't correct. Maybe rights away aren't correct. Uh, maybe different things with the property. There may well be bits of uh, extensions and different things put with the property, septic tanks outside the boundaries, like all sorts of things that you come up with. There's, when a property is put in sale in the beginning, that maybe uh, the owner themselves feels that their septic tank is inside a boundary. It's only when it's mapped at a later date that they find it's not. And that causes all sorts of hassles. You know, you have to go back for a planning commission. You have to do this, you have to do that. So the legal seller's pack will mean that those type of properties won't be going on the market now. Those type of properties will be checked immediately when a vendor wants to sell their property. They have to get their legal seller's pack. Uh, they have to get it in order. The solicitor will be instructed to bring up that legal seller's pack for them, to bring the documentation with it. Uh, there's a certain amount of legal documents some people think there might be more. Some people think there could be less. Whichever is going to come out at the end of the day when the bill actually comes into force will be, obviously, it'll be decided as coroner's time goes on. But it means that the documentation that's got for it, the legal documentation means the property at least can be sold. So we know that properties that will be on the market can be sold, which is a big thing to start with. Yeah, and we know that... It, look, it, it makes absolute sense. And I suppose for anybody who hasn't uh, read the IPAP conveyancing survey results, I think it's really important to point out that, I mean, the stats are staggering. 88% of auctioneers have, have experienced uh, or experienced conveyancing delays and 97% say they've been frustrated by the conveyancing process. That yeah. gives huge figures. And OK, that's they're the agent. So you might think, OK, well, that's impacting their livelihood. But actually then... In a poll of, I suppose, the more general population, I, I, am I correct in thinking it was a seventy-three percent said conveyance and caused problem when purchasing a home? So they're not yeah. the industry; they're the consumers; they're the people who are experiencing this. Is it all down to documentation? And that 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 actually survey that you're speaking about was done by Ireland Thinks, and it's an outside company that I have got to do this survey for them. Not our own survey. We did our own survey, first of all, through our own members. Uh, but this particular survey is done with consumers, which is a different kettle of fish, because this bit of legislation is really consumer legislation. Uh, while it's going to help, but it really is about consumers. And um, so... Yeah, it's it's about documentation, I suppose, in many, many cases and many, many areas, there are different things because an agent finds themselves that I'm selling your property today and you call me out to your house and I go out and you give me the sale of your property and I'm dealing with you and we're selling your property and I probably ask you, is this correct or you have an extension in the back of your house? Did you get planning first? Yeah, I did, yeah, yeah, and everything and all this sort of thing, you know, this sort of conversation goes on between agents and vendors and uh, the agent will... Uh, advise you to go to your solicitor and get your deeds etc etc where are they and where's all this type of stuff you know so the, some vendors will go to their solicitors immediately and they'll get these documentations drawn up some may not even have a solicitor some say well I have a couple of solicitors I don't know who I'm going to go to I don't know where my deeds are but look at I'll talk to the family or I'll talk to my wife or I'll talk to my husband and I'll see where they are and I'll see what the story is and I'll see what solicitor we're going to use. And yeah, we'll do that, of course. It's all a great idea on the day, but like a lot of it doesn't happen. So then like eventually, you know, when I sell your house for you, uh, then we find that we instruct the solicitor. If you have picked a solicitor at that stage or whenever you do decide to pick a solicitor and, 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 and then we start looking about this, all these documentation. But from day one, I'm sort of dealing with you. But the minute then I start then on your behalf instructing your solicitor 
I'm dealing with your solicitor and I'm dealing with you. And when I have a purchaser to buy the property, I'm dealing with the purchaser and then I'm dealing with the purchaser solicitor. So somebody has gone from being in a situation where dealing with one person to dealing with four parties to try and get the legal part of the whole process moved on to get a contract issued and to get a contract signed. So again, uh, that whole process of having to keep looking about contracts and having to keep doing all of this sort of thing, you know, when the legal sellers pack is in place, that will all be gone out the window because the legal sellers pack will be put together. It'll be put up on the data room of the solicitor if they have such a thing or if they don't, well, then well and good, it'll be in paper format. Uh, But if it's in the legal, if it's in their data room, the solicitor for the purchaser can look at all that information. They can see what's there. If there's something missing, they can go back to the solicitor. But maybe at that particular stage, they're selling the property as with the legal documentations that they have. So then obviously at that stage, somebody can decide, is that information good enough for me? Is it not good enough for me or whatever it is or isn't? And before such time, somebody can even put an offer on the property. They've had a look at the documentation to see that everything is in order. And then when they do put an offer on the property and the property is sold, contracts already is part of the legal seller's pack. So the contract can be signed by the solicitors and a closing date. Uh, in the normal term from a uh, public auction sale when a contract is signed it's somewhere in the region of four weeks so again so a four six even eight week close would then be the time and i think from everybody's point of view it moves conveyancing a step further closer to e-conveyancing uh, and i think a helpful step i think is where what we're talking about yeah and look that that makes absolute sense um on, on i suppose just asking the question then there's we have such low chronically low uh stock levels of secondhand homes coming to the market through private treaty is it possible that this could actually slow uh slow uh properties coming to the market um or or could it actually further decrease the number of secondhand homes available well uh i think uh secondhand homes being available and secondhand homes that you can convey are going to be slightly different. So I think that it's going to, there's going to be a time frame there. Uh, if we take it that the time frame at the moment, as we see it, getting the documentation after a property is sold is somewhere in the region of eight to 10 weeks. If we take it that that would be the norm prior to a property going on the market to get the documentation together, that, that time is something that agents and solicitors are going to have to uh, blend into the process as hard as time goes along so that uh, a vendor that's going to sell their property the first thing they'll have to do is get their legal sellers pack in order so that that time is going to have to be given i i suppose first of all and agents are going to have to become aware of that they're going to have to blend it into the process and um, will it mean that there'll be less properties coming on the market it possibly will because the properties that will be coming on the market will properties that can be sold uh, you won't have somebody deciding to put their property in the market if they've no intention of selling it uh, you know, and then all the hassle that that causes to a purchaser, uh, you know, offering on properties and going to get surveyors uh, reports, maybe in different things in the property. So it's going to cut that out. And I think that's a very important part from properties going on the market. Um, so I don't think it's going to, in actual fact, change the amount of properties that's going to come on the market, but it's going to change the quality of the property that's going to come on the market. And I think that's a big thing from a consumer's point of view because consumers are obviously purchasers are buying properties and in this particular case I suppose we're all consumers the vendor is consumer as well but from a purchaser's point of view a purchaser 
is in good faith putting an offer on the property. A vendor in good faith is taking the offer and hoping to sell the property. But like, you know, none of them can sell it unless they have the legal documentation to sell it. So isn't it important to have the legal documentation first and then know that you can sell the property? It's sort of putting the cart before the horse, you know, or putting the horse before the cart, whichever way you want to look at it. So it it absolutely makes sense when you say it. So that begs the question, why was this legislation needed? Um, Like, doesn't everybody in the transaction benefit from a speedier process? Well, you'd imagine that everybody benefits from it. Um, Like, it, it baffles me why the government haven't brought this piece of legislation in before, uh, why they haven't seen that this these delays are there and why haven't they done something about it. Uh, Deputy Mark McSharry brought this legislation through for IPAP. We've written the bill ourselves and he has brought it through. I'm not saying that the bill was is the, is the final document that's going to be accepted at the end of the day but it's we're not obviously legal people so we're not the government so we're not the people who is making the laws so we have put the bill together ourselves we've brought it through there's been no opposition to the bill in the second reading in the doll the first reading is only a matter of reading it into the records the second one is where there's discussion on it and if people want uh, to uh, you know uh, they don't want to support the bill or whatever the case they can come into the doll and they can talk about it we've talked to the political parties about this we've had no opposition from any of the political parties about it that they bothered coming to the doll to talk about it other than Sinn Féin were there that evening and they talked positively about it which we were happy about and um, so None of the government parties uh, they disagreed with the bill. So it went unopposed to the committee stage, which is the next stage. And now different parties will be brought in to discuss about the bill, see if there's amendments they want to make to it, etc. But why wouldn't everybody want this? I, I don't know. Like I know the solicitors have tried to put, uh, well, they have done actually put a, a PCIT, what they call PCIT, pre-contract investigation of title together. Uh, only for their own members and it has probably it has probably worked to a certain degree i don't know if it has helped to bring down the timelines uh it doesn't seem it has from our survey but i i don't want to uh, i'm not saying it, it hasn't been any good it has been certainly this is the next step after the pcit i believe and it's unfortunate or fortunate depending which way you look at it that we have to go to law with this because it has to be we have to make it uh, law before such time as people will do it. So, like, you know, we can't just depend on people and say, well, look, we have to get a seller's legal pact because there will be agents that will put the property in the market. I'm going to speak about agents first. There'll be agents that will put the property in the market without the legal seller's pact, unless it's law. There will probably be uh, solicitors and different people who will act uh, for people without it. So, like, we need to have it in law and we probably need to have this in the event of e-conveyancing as well. So it's going to be a big step for e-conveyancing as well when this happens. So I think it's going to be a further step along the way that's going to make this happen. And when Minister, uh, the Minister of Justice at the moment, Minister McDay, she has, she has uh, Helen has, has obviously brought up, uh, uh, she has looked for submissions on conveyancers as a profession and if that was to be brought into force well then I think all hand in hand with this legislation with that legislation that she's speaking about and with e-conveyancing I think property sales would become into the probably 21st or 22nd century which is really where we want to have them we want the property sales to conclude as quick as possible because as long as so uh, a property is undecided, like while somebody might have it bought, uh, 
gazumping can take place. Somebody can put a further offer on the property. And it's very, very embarrassing for agents. I know many people blame the agents for this, but at the end of the day, it's very embarrassing if I have to go back to somebody and say to them, look, could somebody else put an offer on this property? And they say, oh, I thought I had the property bought. Well, you have a sale agreed, but you don't have it bought. And as long as it's out there and it's only sale agreed, I have to pass on the offers to the vendors. And if they accept them, they accept them. And if they don't, they don't. Not that agents are going out looking for these offers, but sometimes this happens. So something happens. And if the property price are going down, gesundering will happen, which again, people will run down the price of properties. And like these things happen. And the longer that there's uncertainty between the time a property is uh, still agreed and a contract is signed, the bigger danger there is of these things happening. So it has to be in everybody's interest, Carl, to get the sales closing quicker and to get contracts and everything uh, out there so as people can see them. Yeah, no, look, absolutely. And I fully agree with that. In fact, a couple of years ago, we did some um, some research in-house um, from speaking to a stage. We were trying to figure out at that time the fall-through rate um, but we were also tracking uh, when the property had sale agreed. So actually what we could see, there was a direct correlation with how long something takes uh, to close, how long the transaction takes to close to the likelihood of it falling through. And I, I think you touched on something very important there, and that is that inexperienced buyers, um, they believe once they've paid their booking deposit, that they have a legal right. And that's just not the case under Irish law. And by the way, that has never made sense to me as somebody who, again, started conveyance a quarter of a century ago. It's still that 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 particular book and deposit system still remains in place in Ireland is a, a just complete madness to me. And um, so I understand why inexperienced buyers believe that when they've paid their book and deposit, they should have some legal right. But that's just not the case. But in any event, we absolutely welcome uh, and support this as a very positive and very necessary and in some ways long overdue step forward. Um, but I, I just want to very, very quickly run through maybe the instances where um, the, the seller's legal pack is not required. Um, so, for example, it's, uh, you know, I, I know from from reading the documentation that you prepared there that, you know, if it's an off market uh, transaction or an off-market sale, then it's not required. If there's any element of commercial, um, this pack will not be required. But it's also not required for seasonal and holiday accommodation. So what's the rationale behind that? Um, in a lot of holiday homes, uh, like there are uh, legally holiday homes, there's a lot of other legal uh, situations behind them like companies and different things set up to buy these homes and everything and I suppose rather than getting into all of this as to who owns the property and where the property is owned or what company owns it and uh, how much times of the year is this property uh, to somebody themselves or some of their relatives etc live in this property because you can only live in it for so many times months or weeks of the year as well it has to be rented out all of the other times so to get I suppose, away from the extra problems that this would cause and the explanations that this would have before such time as you put a property in the market, we left this out of the bill. But that doesn't mean to say that, you know, if the government comes back and says, oh, listen, we want to put this into the bill, well, then fine. We're not precious about what's in the bill. We're actually, and we're not precious about uh, having this bill ourselves. We're quite happy for other people to help us to get this bill across the lines, you know, to make sure that it works and to make sure that it comes into law. But like what we are precious about is we want to see it happening because we have estate agents throughout the country who have are taking deposits on properties. And exactly as you say, 
if somebody uh, purchases a property and they feel that when the when the agent tells them we have a deal there and uh, the vendor is happy to deal with you, that they think that should be the end of it. And you know, if we looked at it realistically, we would obviously probably all think that the very same thing. It's not just because people are inexperienced, but because that is the situation. And we find then that uh, as Corden as time goes along, that the thing could change, that you could actually have bought the property and now somebody else is buying the property or you can't buy the property because there's no planning or you can't buy the property because there's a right away or you can't buy the property because there's an extension on the property, etc. So a lot of people don't understand that and they wonder to themselves, well, why did the agent put the property in the market in the first place? And like, you know, the agent may well have asked the vendor, is there planning for your septic tank or is the planning is the septic tank inside your boundary or is the percolation area inside your boundary or et cetera, et cetera with it. And like vendors, many of them think themselves that it probably is and then they find that it's not. So like, you know, it's, it's not really the agent's responsibility to put this, it's their agent property to sell the property, but it's not their responsibility to look at the legal part of it. And the legal part of it is the most important part when we get to the end of the day, like selling the property is, 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 is a cog on the wheel. The legal part is another cog on the wheel. The mortgage part is another cog on the wheel. So we have all these cogs along the way, but like we need to tie them into one another to make sure that people, when they do buy a property, that it actually is... First of all, that it's saleable. And secondly, that when they buy it, that the shortest time possible uh, arrive at between the time that they sale agree the property and they get to sign for it and get to move into the property as well. Like you have people who, it's not, you know, you have somebody who sells a property themselves and wants to buy another property. So you're trying to tie up your day with selling your own and, and concluding your own sale with, with a new property. Uh, and like for people themselves, you know, purchasers, uh, the amount of, of of hassle and heartbreak that brings to many, many couples is is incredible. So this consumer legislation, is, as, as I believe it is, I think is going to help that whole situation. And it's going to help people who really are finding uh, that maybe when they sold their own property, they sold it in good faith, but then they can't buy a new one and they have to now say that I can't sell my own property and you know all the all the all the human torture that this brings along the way with it. I think is this this bill is going to help it. I think. You know, Pat, that's a really good note to finish on. I'm really glad that you brought that in because uh, so sometimes I can forget when we talk about the process that actually we are dealing with people and their families and and their dogs and their their luggage and their belongings and their furniture. Um, and, and you know, if they're selling a home and waiting to move into their home and we don't do chains well in this country at all, I, I would say that for sure. So, I, I, you know, it is important to understand that actually when we talk about delays in terms of weeks, um, that actually we are dealing with a very human consequence of that as well. So, look, um, thank you for taking us through the, the information today. Um, I know you've mentioned that the bill is at committee stage. Uh, our IPAV members recommending to their sellers that even before this is a, a legislative um, requirement, are they recommending this as best practice between now and the time of this coming into law? We're recommending as best practice. Our members are recommending as best practice all of the time. Or I have a recommended to our members to recommend it all of the time. In actual fact, we have a document on this that we put together back as far as 2015, uh, where we sent out to members. We have another member who actually wrote a small book on this uh, in Donegal. And we send that to members as well on and off. Uh, we've had it in our newsletter and, 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 and agents would be aware of it. But like in the best will in the world, 
uh, like with uh, an agent advising somebody to go to a solicitor and get their documentation up in order, if they don't want to do it, they don't want to do it and they won't do it until some people see that it's not important to do to contact my solicitor until I have the blooming property sold. Don't be annoying me about it at the moment. And here we are. So like it's 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 fine in saying and it'd be and I if 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 every vendor went to their uh, solicitor and got their legal uh, documents together, I think we wouldn't need this bill at all. But because of the fact that that's not happening, we do need the bill. And I think the solicitors need it, the auctioneers need it, and I think the purchasers and vendors very, very much need it. So I think it's 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 a practical bill, um, and if it's not opposed by government, I, there's something obviously good about it, because if they found something wrong with it, they would obviously oppose it, and the opposition would as well. So the, we'll all have to work together maybe to make the bill that bit better, because I'm sure it's not... Uh, there's many things in it that maybe people could change. We're happy to change them if it's going to be necessary as well. So I think if we can all work together to do it, we can get this into legislation by the end of the year. Uh, it's hopefully will in February will go to committee stage, and if we can work on from there, well then hopefully it will all it will it will happen. I know that the government are putting together. Um, the stakeholders group at the moment. I thought it was actually going to be run by the Department of Housing, but apparently it's going to be run by the Department of Justice. And uh, they're going to look at these I, this type of an idea and other things as well, the stopping sales in, in, in the property market, like convincing isn't the only one. So uh, I think when that happens, and I think that they come up with different uh, maybe changes or amendments to this actual bill that we'll get to move on with it and hopefully we will get it into law sooner than later. Well, it'd be wonderful to, if that was something that we could expect for 2024. Again, it's something just for the betterment of um, all all parties in the property transaction. So that would be great. Thank you so much to Pat David, CEO of IPAP, for taking us through that today and being our very first guest of 2024. Um, my thanks to producer Katie Talon and to the production team at Hear Me Roar Media. And huge thanks to our show sponsor, Daft.ie, Ireland's most visited property website. And thank you indeed for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Property Roundup. In the meantime, please be sure to check out all of the other Irish and international real estate and construction shows on iProperty Radio. Thank you.